This episode is brought to you by Freedom Flower, home of the Craft Cannabis Seltzer. Guess what, people? It's time. It's time. Hey, they hitting the shelves this week. So y'all go ahead and follow him at Freedom Flower VT, and he'll keep y'all up to date on where they're going to be released and everything like that. So check it out. And now, another episode of Canisations. This podcast is brought to you by the letter C, which stands for cannabis, but not Chris. That starts with a K. That's right. You are listening to nothing other than Canisations with Chris. Welcome to Canisations with Chris. I'm your host, Chris, and we have a guest. And I don't know a lot of people that I've talked to before, mm-hmm. and I've told them that I wanted somebody like you. But I know nobody said, hey, you should go on Canisations, right? Has anybody ever told you that? Yeah, several people. Oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe where it got around, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But uh, I would like to introduce the owner of Evidence Room, Yo. right? Yeah. Uh, Mark Schwartz. <laughs> yeah, man, welcome to the podcast. Happy man. to be here. And I know people have told you to come on, but just give you a little background, you know what I'm saying, on what we like to do. There's a little bit of what we're doing right now mm-hmm. for the listeners. You know what I'm saying? We like to sit back, smoke. We like to bring everybody on from seed to sale, and we like to get to know them and who y'all buying cannabis from. You know what I'm saying? Everybody want to get to know who uh, who the growers are and everything. So this is a wonderful platform that I've created for people like you. So welcome, Thanks, Mark. perfect. Hey, man. We're smoking the backwood. Hell in the yeah. backwoods. In the backwoods. <laughs> It was meant to be. <laughs> it meant to be, baby. Hey, welcome, man. Thank you for coming on, dog. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no, I'm definitely happy to be here. Mm-hmm. New experience, just doing a podcast in general and just kind of getting the message out and yeah, yeah. just giving a different perspective in the whole industry yeah. as a whole. And you are a very unique individual. I, yeah, I mean, I think the, so. Hell yeah, <laughs> a very unique individual in this game. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about who... Mr. Schwartz is please in the evidence room. Yeah, you know, um, you know, we're a small company. You know, we're we stopped selling, you know, packaged flour. You know, we had talked about this, you know, earlier, but you know, our whole thing is pre-rolls. You know, we want the best in our pre-rolls, we put our A buds in the pre-rolls. You know, and one of the only ways we could guarantee that is that we don't sell that packaged flour. So that, you know, that top of the line stuff, it's gotta go somewhere. You know, it goes in our pre-rolls, it's a fun brand. You know, we're not pretending to be, you know, like white lab coats and, you know, scientists and stuff. We're just like the everyday people. Just just growing. Just growing. That's good. Smoking, selling. Yeah. <laughs> smoking and selling. Yeah. So, you know, my background's in law enforcement and mm-hmm. military. So, you know, ironically, years ago, arresting people for the same thing we're doing right here. Facts. And so, that's what I, that's, I was going, we was going to get into that. Yeah. But since we're here now, that's the interesting part, yeah. people. That's what I, like, I've told a couple of people, like, I wanted to get a law enforcement perspective on the cannabis industry yeah. and how they feel. And I know you're an ex-cop, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, you know, I, like we spoke before in the pre-interview, like, you were you know, tight cornered in a square. You were that person. Whatever field you were in, you engulfed yourself in that. Absolutely. You know, know, and I wasn't just, you know, yes, I was a road cop, so I respond to calls. I pushed a black and white cruiser. Yeah. Um, But I was more than just that. You know, I was heavy into drug interdiction um, and impaired driving, Mm -hmm. you know, specifically for drugs. 
and which was different than most of my other peers, you know, regardless of what department I worked in. So I had that specialized training um, and I was heavily focused in the drug world. And now here you are. Here I am. Hey, is it coming on roll? Oh, man. Is it? Hell yeah. There's always like when I put a filter on it, like I'll push it up a little yeah. bit and it's always like a little space and it'll just, you know what I'm saying, come out. But we ain't got to smoke. The, you know what I'm saying? Well, look. Uh, well, we'll keep smoking it until the right time. Yeah, we get there. Well, what but, about this? this yeah, the, yeah, that's the that's the later on. This, this is, is the pregame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the pregame. So this is the spell. We're not selling this yet. Okay. Oh, that's uh, you know, in the works. But don't don't tell them yet. Don't tell them yet. Like keep them in suspense. Okay. We got some something we got to tell y'all about. Yeah, we got to. You know yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you said you were in. What was the the law enforcement? The the. So I worked at a few different departments. Uh huh. Um, when I started in 2011, I got hired by the University of Vermont Police Department. So unlike most universities, they have their own police department, not just like campus security. Um, and at that time, like nobody was hiring. Very few departments, you know, needed help, um, which is one of the reasons I went there. It's because, again, they were like one of the only people that are hiring. You know, it wasn't a big draw, you know, working at a university, but that's a way to get your foot in the door. Because once you're certified, you can go anywhere you want. And so I, I spent quite a few years there, transferred to Shelburne to kind of make that transition into municipal policing, dealing with everyday people, not just college kids, and then finished my career at St. Albans. What made you make that transition out of, not trying to be funny, how'd you go from arresting people for it to selling it? Yeah, I mean, so growing up, that was the only job I ever wanted to do, was law enforcement, went to college for criminal justice, got out, joined the army. Did my initial, you know, uh, went to infantry school, you know, mm, basic training. 11, 11, right? 11 Bravo. 11 Bravo, baby. 21 Bravo. We in the yeah. building. Hey, I cleared. You shoot it. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, spent my time in Fort Benning, infantry school, you know, one station unit training. This was for the the guard. I was in the um, three of the 172nd Mountain Infantry in Jericho. So did my training, got out, immediately got hired by UVM, went to the police academy, and then just started working. Yeah, I mean, university policing, yeah, you're doing real police work, but in a sense, you're kind of a glorified babysitter. Because you're, you're like maintaining kids, yeah, and so to speak. You know, when I was that age, I didn't think I was a kid, but yeah, they're kids, yeah. you know, 18 yeah. to 21 yeah, years old. Yeah, this is, now that we're adults, you're like, yeah, I was still a kid. Yeah, right exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I did learn a lot because there's tons of drugs at the university. You know, obviously, tons of weed, you know, party drugs, ecstasy, Xanax you know, Molly, stuff like that. Um, some psychedelics, not a lot, a little bit of LSD, but no heavy drugs, you know, like crack, heroin, fentanyl. You know, I never saw any of that stuff there um, until later on in my career when it was, you know, it was everywhere, you know, and I got pretty good at finding it legally. Fentanyl, that's a crazy one because yeah. like, I don't understand how that's even, you know what I'm saying, with having... Having a sales background, if you will, I never understand how like a drug like fentanyl can be like in the game. Like, why isn't that like washed out? Like fentanyl has done nothing but bad. Like, kill oh, yeah. People, you yeah. know, I mean, that's the stuff that destroys communities. Facts. You know, it's not cannabis. No, it's not. You know, it's fentanyl, it's heroin, it's crack. Yeah. You know. That, those are the big ones. That's what, you know, just, like I said, destroys communities mm -hmm. are those heavy drugs. But it's 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 like it's crazy because like it, it literally kills. Like, why am I going to sell my customer 
something that could kill them. Like that's a loss. Like if I had a profit and loss statement, yeah, I would definitely customers. exactly like I would put that in the loss yeah. category. Like, and you're doing that. I mean, I understand like people getting it from here and getting it from there, but I don't understand how like that mentality of putting something like that in something like that is profitable. You know, a lot of people <laughs> die from it, but a lot of people don't die from it's, it. Uh, so it is it okay? So not just because I don't know what fentanyl is. Do you do you know? So essentially, you know, you have heroin and fentanyl is basically heroin supercharged. Like a t- heroin 3.0. Like a, no, it's like a thousand point oh. Oh, okay. It's you know, I, I forget the ratio, but yeah, it's like hundreds of times you know stronger than heroin. So you have to, you don't have to use as much. It works really well, you know. It definitely does the job, you know, and it's insanely addictive. So you just got to have some to try it once or twice, and that's it. You know, and it's all made overseas in China um, and in Mexico, and it's easy to get in, and you really don't need a lot to make a good profit you know you need you know you could have 10 pounds of weed you know that'll make you what like 30 40 50 000 you know you have a half pound of fentanyl that's tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars that's crazy so that's what you know you basically it's all condensed it's easier to transport easier to smuggle that's why people sell it because it's all is it like i mean i know you probably wouldn't know but is is it like a heroin high like i don't understand what yeah i mean it's heroin Okay. It is, that's what it is. So it's, it's, it's heroin. Okay. So yeah. it is like, uh, uh, like, like you shoot it, and but I've also heard of people like, can you sprinkle it on anything to like? Can people smoke fentanyl in blunts? I, I don't think I've seen that. Okay. You probably it's the dosing. And you All right. Probably die so, doing that. Okay. So the reason why I was asking, yeah. this is kind of like a personal. Thing, okay. Okay. But I had an interaction with a close family member. Yeah. That. Smoke we, that well. Actually, before that, I had a family member uh, who was on that side of the fence and mm-hmm. ended up dying of a fentanyl overdose. Yeah. And well, this family member came to my house, and I gave them some weed, and they end up throwing up. And with not knowing about cannabis, and knowing the experience of a fentanyl overdose, yeah, like it was an easy lane for that person to fall in. You know what I'm saying? saying? And 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 even to me, I was like, hey, that's a dumb thing to think. But once you've been trained to think that cannabis was a bad thing, it's easy to say, okay, so weed smokers, crackheads, and dope fiends are the same people. No, definitely not. Exactly. Definitely not. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, but then, you know, see all these urban mess, you know, you know, weed laced with whatever, which I'm. Yeah. I'm sure it's happened, but, you know, a lot of it's cross-contamination. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't even have to ingest fentanyl to die from it. You know, transdermal. You can touch it. It'll touch your skin. It'll soak in through your skin. Oh, wow. So, I mean, there's plenty of videos, even online, you know, police officers are doing a search, opening up a bag, and you'll see them collapse because they somehow, you know, touched it without gloves on. Mm. Whenever you do a search, you want, you know, the, you know, the rubber gloves, gloves, yeah. the gloves, or they, you know, potentially inhale it, you know, just from being near it. You know, yeah, it's crazy. and it's no joke. Yeah. But I tell you what, you ever heard of? Um, you've heard of Narcan? I believe. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's the opiate reversal drug. The reverse, yeah. That shit is crazy. It's crazy that we're on a cannabis show talking about other drugs. Oh yeah. But I just don't know. It's like, crazy. This is like, I yeah. mean, I don't know these things, and I don't, so, I don't know if anybody else knows. So, so like, Nar- Narcan, what it does, it it blocks the receptors in the brain, so it, it doesn't allow any more of the narcotic. So you know, heroin, fentanyl, it's a narcotic analgesic. 
and it blocks the receptors so it doesn't allow any more, you know, basically to hit you. So, you know, this person, you know, see a person, they're cold, they're clammy, you know, their pupils are pinpoint, and they're, you're, they're dead. You take this little device, actually looks like this little vape. It's got a plunger for your thumb. You stick it up their nose and squeeze it. It gives them a little spray. I think it's like two milligrams. And then within a couple minutes, they wake up as if nothing ever happened. And nine times out of the ten, they're an asshole about it. They're an asshole when they come oh back? Oh, my God. They're pissed. One, they ruined your high. Two, the cops are now in their house. And uh, typically, they tell you to get the fuck out. And be like, uh, dude, you need to go to the hospital. And they usually just throw you right out. Be like, okay, you know, you're welcome. You know, it just or, saves your life, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and half the time, they just deny it. I, I didn't overdose. I'm like, really? We've been here for 20 minutes. And you've been, you know, almost clinically dead that entire time up until just now. But no, you're right. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. I didn't know, like, you've experienced this yourself. Oh, I've probably narcan two dozen people. Damn. And they were, I'm, I'm telling you, you think, you look at someone who's, I mean, you've seen dead bodies. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, you know, but the, you know, the dead heroin person, you know, they're dead. They're not breathing. But it's weird. You know, their skin, it's very clammy. It's cold and sticky. Um, but, you know, they're not breathing. They're dead. You just get a little shot up the nose and they just get up like nothing ever happened. Yeah, I mean, it was a long journey, you know, growing up to getting to that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because I'd never seen stuff like that. I grew up a couple towns from here. Yeah. You know, kids. Did you live any? Have you lived anywhere outside of Vermont? Uh, North Florida. Florida. Yeah. Florida, man. Well, this is like North Florida, Southern Alabama. Hey, to like I said to the people that's dumb, Florida man, they don't they don't say no, North man. Florida man or South yeah, Florida. Florida man. Florida, it's Florida man. <laughs> and I learned a lot from yeah. school. You know, the, mostly the people I was around, yeah. not just the university. Yeah. You know, I learned a lot about the drug trade and different cultures um, that was just completely different than anything I'd ever you know yeah. experienced. Yeah. You know, because Vermont's like 98% white. Yeah, it is. You know, I had one black friend in high school and he was adopted. Yeah. Um, but I'd never been around, you know, any other type of communities than what I've lived in. You know, because that's most of Vermont. You know, I grew up, you know, I went to high school in Essex, grew up in Fairfax. But, you know, you really didn't see a lot of crazy stuff. Was it like a culture shock when you moved to Florida? In some sense. Yeah. You know, um, I talked about my friend Daryl <laughs> that I met down there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I lived in the university my first year, moved to an off-campus house the second year, um, and that's when I met my friend Daryl, who was going to the local community college. So it's kind of like UVM and Champlain. You know, the schools are next to each other, but you kind of intermingle in yeah. social situations, and we just, like, hit it off, like, right off the bat. Um, but Daryl was nothing like anyone I'd ever met. It certainly didn't look like anyone I ever met. You know, Absolutely. you think you think about like a stereotypical in a movie like a gangster looking person, that's Daryl. I living in Jeffersonville when I first moved here, I got a lot of those looks. Like, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> did you have longer hair? I did. I had um locks at the time, they was probably a little bit above my waist, but when I finally cut my hair, um, it was past my waist. And I used to that's you know, cool. sometimes I used to just have it. I used yeah. to, you know, I knew the factor of my hair. Yeah. Like, it was very intimidating. Oh, shit, who's this guy? How hard was that to, like, manage? I mean, it wasn't. Okay. Well, one, my wife did it. Okay. My wife twisted my hair. Yeah. So, I, I was just the vessel for it. She did my hair majority, yeah. if not all the time. Yeah. You know, but 
um, just putting it up. You know, it's I don't want to say it's like a woman's hair, but, mm-hmm. you know, just you can put it up in different styles. Yeah. And, you know, but when it, it got too long and the reason why I cut it is because like I, I would have to say, like, I had to go to the bathroom. I had to think about my hair before I did anything. So it was a little like, too long. I had I had to open the curtains. Like when I looked down, I had to open the curtains oh and put it behind yeah. me to go to piss. And I had to poop. Like I had to put my hair up. You know what I'm saying? It was like so, an imposition having that hair. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I would get in the truck. I have to take it down. In order yeah. to drive, I would have to put it in a certain way or hang it over my yeah. shoulder. And then I would have to like, it became a lot. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, but now you went the completely opposite direction. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna start them back over. You start it back like, up. Yeah, I got to man. As soon as I cut it, I was like, damn. But then at the same time, I didn't want to trim my locks. Yeah, you know, because I they just they just they don't look right to me. Like some people like them, but well, you've I'm been used to something for so many years. Exactly. Yeah. So I just you know yeah. So well, Daryl's hair it was down to his shoulders, dreads. You know, he dressed black on black on black. Um, (laughs) yeah and like he had his own little crew you know from you know because he grew up in that city but on literally on the other side of the tracks you know they weren't you know like i stopped short of saying gang members it was kind of like you know like you know boys in the hood you know dre and doughboy you know ricky you know it's like they're tight knit they carried guns but they weren't doing like gangster shit you know that more for protection yeah and that's exactly kind of daryl and his crew so they would come over hang out they'd always have like a gun or something they'd sell a little bit of weed and that was kind of it you know until one day you know daryl was kind of a a player and so he messed around with the wrong baby mama he got shot in the back and one of his friends had come over that day and they don't you know they weren't one it was i think it was junior junior wasn't one to come over without daryl because you know we were friends but it was through the connection of Daryl. Yeah, and he yeah. came over one day. I'm like, what's up, man? You come to hang out. He's like, no, man, fucking Daryl's been shot, bro. And he almost didn't make it. You know, and he got out of the hospital months later. They'd like cut him from his belly button all the way up, almost to his throat. And used a rib spreader and, you know, cut his whole chest open to dig that bullet out. It was a 22 long rifle. Who gets shot with a 22 long rifle? Jesus Christ. Right? You <laughs> was trying to be a sniper. That's yeah, I don't know what they're, I mean, Damn, I know times crazy. are tough. You can Hell afford yeah, a better yeah. round, but. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, you know, Daryl would come over, we'd hang out. I think we were playing like NBA 2K9 at the time. That was what we were into. And, you know, some of my friends would come and hang out. You know, Daryl would sell like an ounce or so of like that shitty Mexican brick weed. Them, their wavy weed. For like 25 <laughs> bucks. Yep. But he was always like respectful of the house. You know, he, you know, I was there for school, but like all these things happened at the same time. So he got dropped off one day. He like shared a car. He's like, Hey, might borrow your Jeep. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. But this is like a yellow Jeep. Very like distinctive drives out, comes back 10 minutes later with junior. I'm like, Hey, what's up, man? And they're like, yeah, dude, I was just running from the cops. Okay. And your first thought was to come to my house <laughs> to come here. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> That's crazy. And you know, and they dress the same, they look the same, same hair. And so like an hour later we'd leave just me and Daryl, dude, there's fucking cops everywhere. They take us out at gunpoint. And cause Daryl looks just like junior, you know, not to be, you know, stereotypical, but they literally look the same. And he's like, dude, I'm going to jail. Cause little did I know he, you know, he had two pairs of pants and tucked under his, you know, his junk was like an ounce of weed but they didn't find him and they realized that even though he looked similar it wasn't the same and like a week after that he's like hey can we split some weed here like you know you know you know split it up I'm like whatever i'm thinking it's like a couple ounces 
Dude, it must have been like 15, 20 pounds. Jesus Christ. Like the grocery bag fulls is like five or six of those of that Man. shitty brick weed. And at that point, I'm like, dude, you know, I know, I, I understand we have fun, but it's this gone. Is aggressive. It's gone a little too far. <laughs> and I just gotten a call from my landlord and being like, hey, you know, the neighbors are starting to complain, saying there's cars in and out all day. And this, it wasn't quite like a 55 community, but you're right by campus. It's families. And Daryl's like, I don't understand. I'm like, dude, first of all, we're the only house on the block that has more than one car in the driveway. It's filled. And your Cadillac with 22-inch gold rims, it draws attention. It's not and, making it hot at and all. He's like, like, yeah, I'm man. just from Florida. That's yeah. all it is. He's like, yeah, man, I know. Nah, you're man. right. You're right. But as I, I said last time, you know, after, you know, he was trying to do good in school, but he ended up going off the deep end, you know, once I left. And, you know, I looked him up after we talked and he's been in and out of jail quite a bit, but mostly like domestic violence stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I feel bad. And I looked at his most recent mugshot, his head shaved. He's like almost bald. <laughs> didn't look good. Didn't look good. And I, f- I feel bad. Yeah. You know, because I, he was, he was a really good friend of mine. Yeah. And we like, we were tight and we yeah. hit it off. As soon as we met each other, we just hit it off. Yeah. I remember I had a friend like that when I was younger. I mean, we didn't. You know, like yeah. not, nothing like that. Yeah. But I had a friend like that. His name was Josh. Yeah. Josh, either Josh Jones or Josh Amos. I think it was Amos. Yeah. But um, me and him was, oh my God, we were so tight. And uh, we ended up, he ended up just coming to school one day and being like, hey, this is my last week here. And it was like Thursday. And yeah. I'm like, you mean next week? He was like, nah, this is it. And like, I gave him a hug. I don't know why he left. I don't know anything. He just dropped he out just, of school? Nah, his parents, something, I guess something oh. happened with his parents. And uh, he was like, I'm moving. I just found oh, out. And he, I gave him a hug. And yeah. Off to the races. I don't know where he at now. You never seen him again? <laughs> never seen him again. It's crazy. Yeah. Just, but uh, yeah, that's, I mean, you know, everybody takes different paths. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you joined the military. And, yeah. Became a, a police officer, yeah. and now here we are. Here we are on so, a cannabis podcast. Yeah. You know, <laughs> hey, I hope your boy Daryl hear this and be yeah. like, "Look at this motherfucker, man." <laughs> you know, I always thought about looking him up and like reconnecting, but yeah. you know, I think in a selfish way, I kind of want to preserve the memories we had together. Absolutely. You know, it's understandable you know, because that can that can possibly bring static. It's not needed now. Yeah. You know, I cherish those memories. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I just want to, it's like kind of leaving off on a high note. Yeah. You know, I don't want to ruin that. Yeah. No, that's understandable. You know, it's not like I'm never, I'm never going to move down to Florida. Yeah. We're not going to hang out again. Yeah. So, you know, why ruin like a good, it's got something like you enjoyed as a kid. Yeah. And when you're older, be like, man, that thing kind of sucks. Like, you know what? Maybe ring pops wasn't as good for me. I shouldn't be eating ring (laughs) pops. Hey now, hey now. Listen. (laughs) You like ring pops? Who doesn't? I don't. I don't? think it, well, you know what? I don't like um, artificial cherry or watermelon flavor. Okay. And those was the always seems like the ones that was readily available. And I was like, I, I didn't like them. It, it was. Struggle's real. Yeah, exactly. You know, fucking, I was growing up on the sour apple and you're stuck with. Oh, man, the cherry. sour apple, man. I That's my Jolly Ranch. If I can yeah. get like a bag of sour apple Jolly Ranches, yeah. I would have. A bowl of weed and a bowl of sour apple Jolly Ranchers. Like, if I ever blew up and it was like, what do you need? Bowl of weed, 
at a bowl of sour, sour apple Jolly Ranchers. That's my shit, dog. But well, look, check this out. You got pre rolls and whatnot. So what? Uh, want to talk about a little bit about your your line? Yes. And, you know well, I, was, I was about to reach for the hidden one. Hey, the but we, hidden. we'll get to that at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, you know, we specialize in pre rolls. That's mm-hmm. all we do. Um, one of our biggest sellers is a cross joint, two and a half grams. Um, have you have you seen it? I've seen it. Oh, that's at, right, because you've at, seen it at um, your dispensary. At, high, at yeah. high elevation, yeah. Yeah, it's two and a half grams. Um, I think most places sell it for 40. It's kind of more of a novelty, mm-hmm. but they do sell out pretty quick. Um, you know, in the tube here, we have, you know, our typical just king size, regular pre-roll. We do a king size blunt. Mm. And then what I brought for you last time was in that tin. We do an eight pack of point five dog walkers in traditional paper they're labeled on the on the filter you know it says um, indica because that that's what that that strain is and we also do an eight pack of blunt dog walkers which i think as of today we're the only ones doing it Mm. um should i show you this should should you show hey another thing i kind of i thought was dope was the the um your logo yeah you like (laughs) that it was it was and when i seen it at first because we we started corresponding on instagram yeah and then i started exploring and i had knew of you before but when i seen this and i was like haha that's kind of funny. Yeah. And then finding out who you are, and I'm like, that's extremely funny. Well, you had to, I had to have a cop on there. Exactly. Miss uh, Officer Jane. Yeah, Officer o- Jane. Officer M. Jane. Yeah. She's kind of hot on there, too. Like, so I uh, <laughs> I had to find a graphic designer to make that. Yeah. I'm like, like, what do you want? I'm like, well, I want like a, a female cop from the 50s smoking a joint. Yeah. And so that's what they came up Boom. with. And I loved and that's, it. Uh, with, yeah. the, with the writing and everything. Yeah. Like, that's dope, but uh, yeah, let's let's uh, what you what you, right. what you let me. So the strain we're doing right now is bubblegum, yeah, indica hybrid. Um, depending on the test, anywhere from twenty to twenty one point three. Um, so this is another king size, but this is a hybrid blunt. So okay. it's part hemp and part paper. Oh, so it tastes like traditional paper, but it burns, you know, closer to a blunt. Okay. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, so it's green. They're they're easy to do, um, and they really smoke well. It looks nice. You know what I'm saying? As you're lighting it up, I like to I like to watch the light up. Uh, the other thing we're doing is the golden joint. Did I, have you seen that? Yes, and that was the other thing. That was another yeah. thing. I had seen the golden joint, but I didn't read much about okay. it. I was like, oh, somebody out here doing smoking golden papers, and then you know. But well, yeah, go ahead and talk about the golden joint. So, yeah, we did uh, an order of 100 regular king-size pre-rolls to Cambridge Cannabis. One of them is the golden joint. So it's 24-carat smokable paper, and that has been replaced with one of our traditional ones. So if you're lucky enough to find it, you win a $100 gift card to their glass shop. Oh, and it's only at Cambridge Only Cannabis, yep. Okay, well, we had him on the last show. His, his, that was the, you know what I'm saying, the last show we just had. So, oh, Dusty. Or one of the last shows, yeah. so, you know what I'm saying? I listened to that. It was good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let me go, Let me. you know what I'm saying? Let me pull up on Dusty and buy a couple, see if I can get to go. Now, is it in Dog Walkers or in a king size? It's tube? just the king size. Okay. And, and where do you, are these element tips? So I didn't, yeah, this is a pre-rolled cone. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a hybrid hemp cone. Mm. So all you got to do is fill it. Oh. So it's got the taste of paper. It does. It doesn't really taste like a blunt, no. but it, it burns a little slower, a little uh. more even. 
Well, this is nifty. Yeah. Okay. So we, we haven't started selling those yet. Dusty over at Cambridge was looking for like an exclusive item. Mm-hmm. So this is one that, you know, we were kind of toying around with. It's a nice looking, you know what I'm saying? I like the green color. I do too. Yeah. It's very fitting, if yeah. you will. Yeah, you know right. So yeah, good job. It tastes, I mean, it's got some good. That's all I was about to say. On the, it tastes good. It got that sweet. Like on the exhale, you get the yeah the 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 elements of it. You get the the sweetness. Yeah, I like it because it's you know it's not too papery. Yeah, it's not too because some people don't like blunt wraps. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I I, uh, I met a few people that I was like, "Hey, you on the roll of blunt?" He was like, "New, no, yeah." Smoke, you know, so yeah. I wonder if they're thinking it's like the traditional blunt with tobacco. Well, yeah, that's also oh, okay. with anything. He was like, "If it's not in a paper." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And specifically in a rice paper. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like the bare minimum yeah, yeah. of, you know. So, yeah, man. Well, I'd be interested. Have you tried one of the mini blunts yet? Mm-hmm. Thoughts? I walked my dog. Literally. You literally I walked, walked my your dog, dog. And before I went out, I said, hey, I got some fucking dog walkers. So let me uh, win in Rome. How was the taste? But I liked them. Was okay. that bubble gum as well? That's Yeah, that's really all we're selling at the moment is yeah, bubble yeah. gum. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the cool thing about those um, blunt wraps, you know, they're obviously tobacco free. Uh-huh. Um, it's not just hemp. There's actually some wood pulp in there as well. In the, in the, in the, in this one. Yeah. In, in, the, the, in, in the, in the wrap itself. Is that okay? And it just gives it a little sweeter taste to it. Yeah. Um, Cause you have a, like a pure hemp wrap. It, I don't know. I'm not, I don't prefer that taste. I mm-hmm. like the more of the blunt wrap kind of tastes a little more sweeter, a yeah. little closer to a tobacco uh-huh. leaf. Um, yeah. And that's why I picked that company. Oh, that's dope. All right. Hey, that's... Uh, Had that's, to do some trial and error. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, you got some... That's some the bubble gum is, yeah. uh, is pretty tasty. I mean, I yeah, know I it's what I've been... Yeah, yeah, I haven't I really been smell. dabbling. It's been kind of... Right. You know, no, yes, I did. I um rolled a backwood. That's an idea. I forgot because I had some. Uh, I had a nug, and so I rolled a backwood yeah. of it, and it was really good. And I tell you, if I if I, if I can smoke a whole backwood to the face, yeah, it wasn't good. But Uh-oh. I put it half. I oh, put perfect. it out halfway out. Perfect. And then I woke up the next yeah. morning and fired it back Love up, it. and so. So all yeah, right, you, all was, right. you was on to something. You on to something. Yes. <laughs> Stamp of approval. Funny. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, so like, it's interesting. When I started policing, you know, cannabis, this was even before decriminalization. Like, it was 100% illegal. I mean, 0.5 grams, you know, that was a misdemeanor. Um, but the interesting thing, working at UVM, you know, you dealt with a lot of weed. There was, the cool thing was, there was like a built-in kind of, a restorative alternative justice system, you know, in place already, which was the school's, you know, um, I don't want to say punishment system, but, you know, basically the school could handle it. You know, alcohol infractions, minor drug infractions, the school would handle it. Because otherwise, you know, your only other option, it was a criminal charge. Um, but you still had discretion in that aspect. And, the kind of the unwritten rule at that time was if it was under 10 grams, you know, the school would deal with it. If it was over 10 grams, you would issue them a citation, a summons to court for a misdemeanor. Um, so it was, it, I liked having that alternative justice. 
yeah. um, restorative thing built right into the system. It wasn't always about the worst. You know what I'm saying? There was a limit of where the school yeah. could. You know what? Y'all can take this one. Like, yeah, because I mean, anywhere else, you yeah. know, in Burlington, Southburn, wherever, it didn't matter how much you had. It was always a criminal, criminal charge. charge. Yeah, you know, you didn't have the option to do community service or whatever. I mean, yeah, it would probably end up in court diversion anyway, but having that system in place, you know, kids weren't getting charged with misdemeanors because regardless, that's always on your record. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have not been convicted, but if you were ever asked, have you ever been charged with a crime? You know, you'd have to answer yes. But having, you know, having the school deal with it in-house kind of avoided that, um, and especially for something minor. Yeah. It was really nice. And it's, it's cannabis. That's what mm-hmm. it's, and it's, and that's been, it's good that it's changed. It's one of the things like, I'm happy that it's changed because like, you know, a little bit of weed can, can fuck up somebody's life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's, and that's, and I'm telling you, like, I don't want you to think like, like I told you from the jump, like I ain't here to, you know, but it's just like to bash you or anything. But I told you like, we had the sweatpants running yeah. around, but it's crazy that like, we had conversations about um, like when I've gotten pulled over and mm-hmm. things that's then happened yeah. and, and why it happened and why the situation was totally. Let's talk that about it that. Was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's get so into it. it's, it's, it's like, it, it was dope seeing like hearing your, the other side. So yeah. like I said, one of the times that I got pulled over, Excuse me, I had to, you know, hit this blunt real quick. Well, I mean, if you you might have to put it out because it's not good. That's all I was about to say. Like, I mean, I'm I'm good. You good? I will take another one. Oh, that's what I figured. But look, like one time I got, you know what I'm saying? I got pulled over. And I was in kind of what I like to call a speed trap coming down the hill. Yep. And I had smoked before I left. Yeah, I just smoked before I left. Went down and uh, I coasted down this hill. Well, there was a cop sitting right there and I didn't see him. And I was going to the restaurant that was literally like five minutes away from my house. Yeah. And I go there all the time. And so this, the, the police officer um, came out behind me and I got in this section where it was a, you know, you could turn left, you could turn right. Yeah. And everybody could turn a different way. And I figured if I pulled over to the right, like he would have to be in the road, and I was like, "That's kind of dangerous." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going into the lane and turning, uh, turning left and pulling over in what I thought was a safe environment for him, which it probably was. Yeah, it, it was and, safe. That's what, and that was my thought yeah. process. Well, this man jumped out the damn police car, yelling, pointing, and I'm like, "Oh shit." Here comes CNN. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was like, when you see my lights, you pull over. And I was like, look, man, it ain't nothing like that. I told him why I did what I did. He was like, license and registration. I gave him everything. I'm like, look, I'm going right over here. That's where my wife is at. We're about to have lunch. Explained it to him, everything. And gave him my information, and he, I was good. You know what I'm saying? He was like, why does your car smell like weed? And I was like, I just finished smoking weed. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, okay, well, when you see a police officer pull you over, when you see their blue lights, you pull over immediately. And I was like, okay, you know, understandable now, but my my 
you know, thought process. You're on a different was, thought process yeah, than you, what he is. Yeah. You're so, thinking like the driver. Exactly. Not, the driver. I don't yeah. want you to get hit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or anything like that. But And another thing that he did was he stood back off my window and yeah. made me like, I ain't going to say I had to hang out the car to talk to him, but I had to turn harder. You had to turn your whole body. Turn my whole body to talk to him. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And I'm trying to like show my hands to be like, dog. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cool. Like I ain't. But he didn't trying. have his like his gun out or anything. Well, did he, he had it. He had the the little thing unclamped. Yeah. And he he was like resting his hand on it. You know, he didn't have it out, but he was definitely gripping it or just kind of just resting. Just it? like, I, hey, if your hands on your gun, your hands on your gun. It don't matter if you got your finger on the trigker. Yeah. That bitch in your hand. All right, fair enough. Fair he enough. was touching it. You know what I'm saying? You noticed the hand was in exactly. the gun area. It was in the area. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And I don't know. It could have been the taser. Yeah. But I was like, hey, your hands doing this and it made me nervous you know what i'm saying but you said yeah so i mean speaking from the other side of the table literally literally (laughs) so when i would pull someone over the expectation is you know you put on the blue lights the person pulls over so when you make that decision to turn the lights on you want to pick a spot that you know is safe so typically when an officer puts their lights on they want you to stop right there in their mind it's safe when the vehicle doesn't stop, and it was like what thirty seconds it to was, a minute, it, maybe it def yeah. I would say, in reality, it was like twenty five to thirty seconds because when I pulled over, yeah, when I was going to turn, I think a car was coming, so I had to like just for a second yeah, hit yeah. the brakes to stop, and then I turned. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I mean, when so when you're in that situation, immediately you know red flags are going off. Why is this person not stopping, or why are they kind of slow rolling? Are they buying themselves time? Are they hiding something? Are they getting ready to jump out? Or, in your case, are they just finding a better spot to pull over? But the expectation is, when those lights come on, you pull over within a reasonable amount of time. You yeah. know, you don't have to slam on the brakes. But, yeah, so I would I would be very cautious in that situation as well, just having someone not pull over when the lights go on. Because I've had situations where they were hiding drugs. They were hiding a weapon. You know, they were a wanted felon. Hmm. And, you know, so... Again, what we're talking about, you know, you don't stand right at the window. Yeah. You know, because, you know, in military terms, that's the fatal funnel. If someone's going to shoot out their window, they're going to shoot right out the window. It's yeah. hard to reach around and shoot behind you. So that's why you stand behind that B post in case something happens, you have time to react. And all you got to do is take one or two steps and you're out of the line of fire. Mm. So that part makes perfect sense. But I, I, I don't fully understand well, there's a difference between, you know, educating someone and be like, yeah. explaining this is why, you know, I would get nervous in this situation, yeah. but then being a little overly aggressive about it. Yeah, I actually, I was like, hey, man, can you come around so I can see you? Like, yeah. you stand, I can't even see you. And he yeah. was like, no. Nope. And I'm like, all right, motherfucker. Okay, like, yeah. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't, uh, all he told me, like, at the end was when you see a cop's lights pull over. Was the conversation a little more relaxed at that point? I mean, it, it was still, still it was still strained. It wasn't yeah. like, uh, it wasn't like he was talking to me. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. He still stood in the back as well. And I'm like, okay. you, you know I'm clean. Yeah. I'm driving a 2020 F-150. Like, yeah. it's not like... I'm out here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, typically if like a situation starts off maybe a little intense, you know, the goal is to get it back down to a normal. Once you kind of assess the situation, okay, this guy's not a threat. He, you know, his wife works here. Yeah. And, you know, literally that's where he was going. You know, that's kind of the point where you kind of want to tone it down a little bit. Yeah. 
you know, and get nah, on that he, one-on-one he, he level. He still kept that steam. Yeah. He was still warm after. But, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Here I am. So. But that's a classic cop stance. I'll tell you that, though. Yeah. No, you that's understandable. Yeah. Resting I've, or typically you don't hold it. If you're just casually talking, yeah. a lot of times you're taught. You know, you rest, yeah. your, rest your hand right there. Nah, I so, seen that thing. I seen the buckle yeah. unbuckle. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And when if I know like that shit, you just don't. You're not allowed to just walk around with that shit unbuckled. Well, that like was that. my next point. A lot, a lot of officers do. Oh man! Well, he was state, yelling. State, he was yelling. Yeah. I seen that your elbows bent. But that's totally understandable yeah, yeah. from your perspective. Yeah. You don't know any of that. Yeah, exactly. So that that's a reasonable, you know, view on that. You know, from yeah. your perspective. Well, it's cool that you're here. Yeah, like to to show me because I I've told that story before and I was like, man, he was probably an asshole. He was probably waiting to shoot a black man. But I mean, he then, certainly could have been an exactly. Asshole. He could have been, but, but like it's it. I mean, he did what he was told or yeah. trained. You know, just from hearing what you was y'all yeah. been in the same y'all in the same line. So he was doing what he was trained, and as I was telling you what he did, he was like, oh yeah. yeah. It's because of this. It's you know, because of this. He may have done everything right, but it doesn't mean you couldn't have done it better. Better. Exactly. You know, I mean, yeah. like, you know, my dad, he went down the wrong way street in Winooski, um, got pulled over. Yeah. And so his reaction, you know, he's like, oh, I'm just going to explain it to him by getting out of my car <laughs> and approaching his cruiser. And he's like, I don't understand why I got yelled at. I'm like, dad, you don't get out of the car nah, on a man. traffic stop. That's <laughs> you just don't do it. Nah. You know, unless you have a really good reason, but like your wife's in the car, yeah, pregnant, you know, like, like she's it's on its way. I'm like, come on, but now nah, he just stepped out on the just man, step right the, out, like immediately. That's, that's, but that's uh, yeah, man, that's, but, hey, that's insane. Yeah, like that is crazy. I got some in my eye, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But that's insane. That's, like, yeah, but, just like, to step out on the police. I'm like, man. come on, dad, you know better. I mean, yeah, he, never and he's, seen that. Yeah, he's like he's not like a reb- rebellious person either. Yeah, just ignorant. <laughs> I'm like, come on, dad, come on. Hey, that's funny. But, well, look, man, you want to talk about a little like drug interdiction? Yeah, let's talk. Let's let's touch on that for a yeah. minute. I I seen you you um I had seen the papers and yeah. I was kind of curious about. So, we can talk about this yeah. first. Well, I didn't know if that had anything to do with that. So but. this is more for impaired driving. Well, hold up, hold up. Before we get there. Okay. I want you to do this because, like I said, I'm also doing this with everybody. Yeah. I, you said that you bought a sticker. I did. So I need for you to, in the middle of it, you see, you see everybody's been, you know, tagging the table. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I want you to also now, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Can you please tag the table with wherever, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you no, I'm, like. I, I mean, I'm going to have to put it right here so hey. that every time you have a guest on, they gonna know. They gonna know. <laughs> they can take out their phone. They got. I got the QR code right here. Look at that. Mm, that's right. And it's down. That's that with the QR code on it. Up. Hey, nah, that's the point. I made sure this table was Look, good. This is this is not child resistant. No. It's child deterrent. <laughs> deterrent. Yeah. Get out of my office. Yeah. You ain't supposed to be on that table. <laughs> got valuables on there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the go ahead. With which whichever one, which I, I know you said the drug interdiction, interdiction, yeah, interdiction, and that's the finding getting drugs, and that's smoking. No, so interdiction is you're proactively trying to get drugs off the street. Oh, okay, yes, that's what it. Okay, yeah, 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 and, yeah um, speak about that. Please. Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, so you know a lot of the, you know, you pull someone over for something and they're like, well, why don't you be arresting drug dealers? You know, get the real criminals off the street. Well, it's not that easy. Yeah. You know, let's say your neighbor calls about you. Hey, you know, there's this guy, Chris, there's 
cars coming in and out all day. You know, I think he's selling drugs. You know, you look into it, well, Chris has a podcast, and that makes sense that strange vehicles are coming in and out. That makes sense. Well, let's turn around a little bit. Let's say you're, this isn't, you know, you're not Chris. You're Joe Dirtbag. Mm-hmm. You don't have a job, and you recognize some of these people coming in and out. They come in for five minutes and leave, and everybody's saying that you're a drug dealer. You can't just go get a search warrant for the house. You know, you need probable cause. So how do you find probable cause? So one thing you would do, you know, you wait down the street, car comes in five minutes, comes back out. You do what's called a pretext stop. So a pretext stop is just a way to stop that vehicle and try and figure out what's going on. But you can't just stop them. You have to have a legal reason. It doesn't have to be a good reason. It can be any reason. You know, your license plate registration sticker is on the wrong part of the car, or you have a brake light out, or, you know, sometimes at night, you know, the, one of the little lights that illuminates your license plate is out. That's a legal reason to stop a car. It's a kind of a cheesy reason, but that's not the point. So you stop the car and it's, you know, Joe, another Joe dirtbag who you know is using, you know, maybe he has a warrant, maybe his license is, you know, um, suspended. You might be able to arrest him for something, search his pockets, you find drugs. Okay, well, now you got him on the hook, you know, and either he can go to jail or maybe he can work out some sort of deal Mm. to get time off or skip charges altogether. Maybe he can snitch. Maybe he can snitch. (laughs) That's what we say. (laughs) And that's exactly how it works. You start with a random complaint of a random house, and that's one of the ways you get into that house. You got to work your way in. You know, you catch... Not to be, you got to catch the little fish. Yeah. You know, it's not like they're doing anything insanely crazy, but you got to get some dirt on them to make them flip. That's how you get in. Or, you know, we used to get a lot of complaints of hand-to-hand deals at the parking lot. And again, you do a pretext stop, find a reason to stop them. And then you start getting into maybe a consent search, searching the car. You know, they say, oh, I'm coming from this place, but you literally just watched them come from here. So you already have them in a lie. Um, but yeah, you have to go. And a lot of times it's, a lot of the times it's random, you know, you're just finding people to stop and see what they have in their car, you know, as bad as that sounds, but that's how you find the drugs, you know? No, I mean, I kind of understand that yeah. because even when I've been pulled over at night, that flashlight starts and shines like all of my vehicle before it yep. gets to me. Yeah. Checking you know for weapons, checking Everything, for drug paraphernalia. Seeing who's what's yeah. in there. You know, the kingpins, they're clean. You know, when they yeah. drive a car, it's not dirty, but the average drug user, their cars are filthy. So you could just stop anyone for whatever reason you had. You know, you might not even be thinking drugs. It may have just been speeding. Take a look at the car. You might find, you know, a corner bag for heroin. You might, you know what chore boy is? Who? Chore boy. So when you smoke crack, the, the, um, like the Brillo, the, the Brillo pad, the metal Brillo pad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They use a filter. You know, they use it. They'll just throw it on the, you know, throw it on the floor. You see that that's drug paraphernalia. Now you can have a conversation with them about maybe getting consent to search the car right on the roadside or what you can tell them. Be like, listen, you know, I see drug paraphernalia. You can either give me consent to search this vehicle or I can seize your vehicle and apply for a search warrant. Nine times out of 10, when you find that drug paraphernalia, you're going to get a search warrant. And most of the time, people just let you search their car roadside. And sometimes you find stuff, sometimes you don't. But when the directive is to find drugs, that's kind of the avenue that you go down. You got to be very proactive about it. Because it's not like people just drive like, hey, I'm a drug dealer, right on the side of their car. Yeah, that's true. Unless you're 
Essex PD and you seize a, a drug dealer's car and then they write on it, this used to belong to a drug, drug dealer. dealer. You seen that? <laughs> you see saw that? that? <laughs> yeah. Hey, that was crazy. Well, I mean, it's one way to say that it was, you know. <laughs> but like, um, that's crazy. <gasps> yeah, that y'all can y'all can y'all can listen to Canisations and yeah. find out. Why y'all? How, how how did how did my boy get? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How did they know? Because More. like even like even being on the outside of certain yeah. situations, like and wondering like, well, why did I get did, pulled over for this random reason? Yeah, and then just let go. Yeah, it was just you know. And again, it's not a perfect system. You're gonna stop people who didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, you know. But that's why you know these pretext stops are controversial. Again, it's a legal reason to stop someone for, you know, yeah. a bullshit equipment violation. But some people get caught in the mix. You know, they may have just went to, you know, cause it's not like necessarily like a house. You watch them walk in. It could be an apartment complex. Yeah. You don't know which one they're going, but they can, you saw them come in. Five minutes later, they're out and they don't live there. Maybe they're up to no good. Maybe they're not. Yeah. But if you want to be proactive and get drugs off the street, that's kind of how you have to do it. What was the main drug that you seen in your uh, area? So UVM is all weed. Um, I had a couple felony arrests. You know, it's funny to think that a couple ounces was a felony. Yeah, especially <laughs> now. I think maybe like a half pound was the most I, I saw. Uh, Shelburne was, you know, it's a small town, so not yeah, a lot Shelburne there. Shelburne is very, yeah. you know, pinkies up. <laughs> yeah, place. exactly. Yeah. Um, St. Albans, at that point, you know, it was pretty much illegal. I mean, there was a few people. Um, this one guy had like, I don't know, I think 15 illegal carts um, and a bunch of other stuff. We also had a ton of Xanax. Mm. And that was just, that was a random traffic stop. I think for, uh, I think like the license plate was expired. The car registration was expired. That turned into a DUI arrest, a felony, um, um, you know, drug arrest for all that stuff. It was completely random. You know, I had never met the guy. I'd never seen him before in my life, but he had a ton of drugs in his car. And that was just being proactive. And it's called going beyond the stop, yeah. which, you know, Chittenden County, they don't even want you doing that. You know, the state's attorney there basically says if you get anything out of a car stop outside of the reason for the stop, they have no interest in doing Man, that. Man, this is insane. Like, like, like listening to you and being who I was yeah. and just having the mentality, but understanding it in order to do your job. And I told you this, like, that was one big thing. Like, you should, don't never knock a man for their job because even yeah. police got to pay their bills. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but to hear that you have to be, police is proactive. Like, you know, they kind of run hand in hand. Mm -hmm. You can't clean up if you don't clean, kind of. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's the thing, though. For most apartments, as long as you respond to the calls you go to, you stop a car here and there, that's all you have to do. But I was very proactive. You know, I was always stopping cars. I was so always is there is there like a is there like all right, y'all got to stop here in here in St. Albans. We hold <laughs> no. a fifteen car minimum car no, stop. No, is that, is that like how it is, or There's, is that like a police thing? There like? are some people that maybe stop two or three cars a year. Oh wow. Um, old school state police so one thing about state police that well i mean everybody knows this they um they have take-home cruisers okay i don't know if uh, maybe not everyone i've knows seen this. them i've seen so, them sitting in yards and i always yeah. thought they was the big boys it was like no yeah, no oh shit so, so everybody so, get a so state police is a part-time agency 
most of the state police are done at 2 a.m., no matter what, unless there is like a special detail. The entire state police, they go home at 2 a.m., and they don't pick up until 6. So the troopers that work nights, they get home at 2, they're on call for two hours, from 2 to 4. So if a call came in here, wherever that trooper lives would have to get dressed, get in their car, and drive here. And that might live 20 miles away. Oh, wow. And then once 4 a.m. hits, the 6 a.m. trooper has those two hours before their um, their shift starts. So they're on call. But the old directive was, because you're coming in from your house to the office, you need to write two tickets on the way in and two tickets on the way out. Oh, but, wow. But that was old school. That's like, yeah, that's, that's like 90s. Yeah, that's you know, crazy. Yeah. But no, there's no, there's no... Like, you just got to find something, like, I mean, in the old school manner. It don't matter what it is. I mean, like, I mean early morning traffic, you know, everybody's speeding. Oh, yeah, it's everybody not got some dumb... Yeah, I mean, some, it could be a taillight out, but yeah. that was that was the the unwritten directive. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Look at this, but, man. I'm getting the, the inside scoop. You're getting the inside scoop. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's crazy. Hey, that's what's up, though. But, um, yeah, I mean, St. Albans is crazy. I'd never seen crack or heroin before until I got there. And I think I made a felony arrest within, like, the first week. Oh, um, wow. I got the biggest one was, I think it was just under a kilo of crack at this house once. Oh, man. Off a random tip. So, we was working midnights, and I was working with this, like, old school sergeant from, like, Rhode Island. And this lady comes in, be like, hey, there's this house or apartment. Um, I think it was on Kingman Street. My husband bought some crack there. He ended up selling them my, giving them my wedding ring. Um, and I was just oh, in man. there, and she said, I saw a key of, of crack. And this old sergeant was like, that's fucking bullshit. We're not doing anything mm-hmm. with it. But I'm like, no, fuck that. She signed a sworn written statement and described it in detail. And I think she, no, she didn't take a picture of it. But there's one other thing. And so I wrote up a search warrant, um, and I was on the SWAT team. So we ended up hitting the apartment with the SWAT team. Yeah, I got a, a key of crack. And before we found it, we're searching the apartment, and the guy was from out of state. I think it was probably like Hartford, Connecticut, or like Springfield, Mass. It was yeah. just it was just a plug. Yeah. And we're searching around, and I find this thing in his duffel bag. It's like saran wrapped. I'm like, fuck yes, this is the mother load. God. I, I unwrap it. It's a pair of Yeezys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some Yeezys. He in had his a bag. pair of Yeezys wrapped up. <laughs> in cellophane wrap because he loved them so much yeah, yeah and then we found like the key in like a couple socks that he tried to like flush down the toilet or something oh that's crazy but just his man yeah we ended up seizing everything um bunch of cash um it's like 20 grand worth of jewelry too oh man and civil forfeiture laws you know he lost all of it yeah. and i think because of that and one other um like we bought a bunch of new equipment for the department with it so y'all, since I was going to ask, what happens with all that money that y'all see? You keep a portion. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, especially. Oh, so that's why they be all, I mean, I understand, yeah. of course, like when they make big drug busts, yeah. I understand, of course, like I want to take a picture with uh, 40 kilos yeah. and 15 pounds with all this cash and they be taking the pictures and shit with them. But then I didn't know like where it went after that. I know that shit don't just go sit in a room. No, or, no. That, it, I don't know the exact process, yeah, but we yeah. kept quite a bit of it. Yeah. Um, especially if you work with the feds. So a lot of times well, feds will do like an operation in your city, but they want uniform backup, you know, because they don't, you know, if you're on the DA task force, you know, you're wearing plain clothes with like a kit, 
um, yeah. and like a carrier and stuff, but they want uniformed officers. They want to know like some of the locals. So when you help them, they actually divvy it up. Be like, this agency helped, this agency helped. They get 15% of all the cash seized. They get whatever. Oh, that's dope. So yeah, we, we bought a, some pretty cool equipment. Yeah. Yeah, the SWAT team got all brand new uh, <laughs> BCM rifles. Oh, that's Short barreled. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Damn, that's, I didn't cool. know, I didn't know where the, where the money went after that. Yeah. Oh, that's, well, I mean, that's understandable. You find us keepers. That's the yeah. way to look at it. Um, Man. But yeah, one of the other things I want to talk about was impaired driving. <laughs> yeah. I ain't going to front. When we talked about the last time, yeah. I was like, mm. so, so yeah. Well, so let, let's start with alcohol. So alcohol is a per se limit, 0.08. If you are over a 0.08, you, can be, well, you will be arrested for DUI. But also what the law says is any impairment to the slightest degree. So you could be under a 0.08, and if you're exhibiting, you know, pretty good signs of impairment, you can be arrested as well. So, like, the person that doesn't drink might take a couple shots. They could be at 05 and smashed. You yeah. know, is that, you know, and the debate is that person's under an 08. Should they still be allowed to drive? And that's the question. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, no. If a person's not safe to drive, regardless of how high or low their BAC is, they probably shouldn't be driving. I mean, that's my opinion on no, it. No, you're right. Like, especially, you know, and, but I feel, I guess, because I am uh, a, a a weed smoker. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel differently yeah. about alcohol because, like, when I did drink, and one, I've had friends killed in car accidents yeah. while drinking. You know, yeah, and I've seen friends getting accidents that's changed other families' lives, and they've. You know, like, so I understand the alcohol thing, but, and I feel like drinking and driving, like, it's just wrong in itself, especially when you mix cannabis and we call that getting crossfaded. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you get, you know, the the spin is when you, so you really shouldn't be smoking and drinking. Yeah. But when it comes to smoking and driving, I'm kind of like... Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's kind of the thing I was getting at. So, with alcohol, that that per se limit, 0.08. You could be over an 08 and not really be that impaired. If you're like a seasoned drinker, you know, you might not show a lot of physical indicators of impairment. You could walk fine, talk fine, but because of that 08 limit, it doesn't matter if you can function on a normal level. You're over that limit. That's a DUI. There is no per se limit for cannabis. So there's no percent or amount of cannabis in your system that would necessarily make you arrested. It's it's fairly, I want to say, it's fairly subjective. Um, so you still do a lot of the same tests. And based on how you do on those tests, you know, you could be ruled impaired or not. And some places have a per se limit. You know, you might have like five nanograms a milliliter in your blood. That's the limit but it hasn't been tested enough. So Vermont doesn't have that. So, you know, typically when you get arrested for DUI, you use the breathalyzer and that's the evidence that you use in court. The problem is for like stuff like cannabis and heroin and crack or whatever, there's no just like a roadside test that you can take to kind of determine where you're at. So that's where, what I was, I was a drug recognition expert. So I would come in and I would do a a variety of tests, 12 different steps, and come to a conclusion of if this one, if this person was impaired, was it 
drug related or medical related because you know some diabetics if you're having a diabetic episode you can look drunk you can act drunk you can sound drunk and people yeah. have been arrested i've i've i know yeah. of a few people well not i know one in particular who yeah. was arrested when they had an episode a diabetic episode yeah. and they said that they were drunk and, exactly but they end up beating it because it, and you we, know, yeah but rightly yeah. so and then the third step is determining whether that impairment is medical related or not um and depending on you know what I have here, it's called the drug matrix. That sounds real fancy. <laughs> the matrix. <laughs> um, but it's basically you know a chart of what physical indicators you should see depending on the drug category. Um, okay. And there's so there's there's seven drug categories. You have central nervous system depressants. So that's like Xanax, yeah, benzos, like, and alcohol. Like downers. Exactly. Yeah. You have central nervous system stimulants. So like crack. Yeah. Um, you know, Adderall. Okay. Um, so Adderall is actually a stimulant. So for kids with ADHD who are really hyper, yeah, you it actually calms them down. Exactly. I had a, I have, yeah. I mean, you're 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 not a cop anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I just I've sold. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Adderall and had Adderall. Well, yeah. So, but you would think, you know, a stimulant. Why would that make a kid calmer? It's it's not because that they're very popular it, in college. It's not yeah. that their inattention levels are, you know, really high. It's their, you know, the, I'm trying to explain this as easily as I can. Yeah. Long story short, it's an imbalance. It has a reverse effect. Their, on yeah, their concentration levels are low. Mm-hmm. So you use that stimulant to boost it up. Whereas a normal person whose levels are fine, you give them that same stimulant, then you get them hyper-focused. Yeah. And that's why, you know, people take ADHD meds as recreational drugs. Yes. Um, you have hallucinogenics like mushrooms, um, dissociative anesthetics, which are, I want to say cool, but they're pretty cool. So like um, LSD, um, no, PCP. Yeah. So it it disconnects the brain to the body. So that's one of the reasons why they invented the taser, because they'd try and take people down with PCP. You know, they'd hit them with pepper spray or baton, but the person wasn't feeling anything because there's that disconnect between the mind and the body. So that's why, like, people on PCP are like supermen. You know, they can jump off buildings, get up and run away because they don't feel anything. It's it's that disconnect. I didn't know there was a disconnect. Yeah. I never, I've, I've seen on videos, like, people on PCP and I didn't understand yeah. why but I didn't know there was a disconnect exactly. between the two. And then you have narcotic analgesics, so that's, you know, heroin, fentanyl, um you have inhalants which could just be like, you know, nitrous oxide or you know, put some gas in a bag or spray uh, paint and then What's the the dust off? Yeah, yeah. dust off. <laughs> Man, so I stopped this guy he had, it was a single vehicle crash, no other cars involved, oh, drifted man. off the road, head first into a telephone pole, which is always a single vehicle crash. It, you know, maybe winter you slide off the road, but you typically don't see a lot of single vehicle accidents. I think I counted like 420 Whippet containers in his car. Whoa. Yeah. Empty. And this guy, so what you would do, um, it's actually for culinary. You might, you, you know this. Yeah. For the whipped cream. The whipped cream, The little yeah. cartridges yeah. are nitrous oxide. But he would just, just suck them up. Suck them down. And this guy was so addicted to them. If he didn't have one, like within every hour or so, he'd go into um, a seizure. And he went into seizure while I was doing my evaluation on him. Yeah. Yeah. This guy That's was crazy. like hardcore addicted. But yeah, but what I'm getting back to is this matrix. So- 
I mean, there are seven different drug categories, cannabis stuff. So let's talk about cannabis. So someone who has consumed cannabis, so the the eye test that you see the cops do, like left and right, in general, you won't see any indicators in there. Um, There's another test called lack of convergence, which is really cool. So what you do is you have the person look up, you put their finger in front of their face, and you make a couple big circles. I'm paraphrasing. And then you bring it into their nose, and it makes them go cross-eyed. But someone who's smoking cannabis is unable to go cross-eyed, or they might have one eye in and one eye straight, which looks really funky. But that's the way I used to, when I used to, I used to ask, am I crossing my is it doing yeah. it? Is my eyes crossed? So the, initially, the, they might cross, and then they'll go back out, and you'll be like, are you crossing your eyes and looking? Like, yeah, man, my eyes are crossed. But they're looking straight ahead. Or like one eye is geeked out and looking in. Oh, that's one eye straight. It's about 60% of the time you'll see that. Yeah. Um, typically, you know, the di- dilated pupils. Your pupils will be a little bit dilated. Um, there is an exception. Um, it, it could be normal. But typically, they're dilated, you know, reaction to light. So one of the steps you bring someone into a dark room, like lights out, just the two of you, it's a little weird. This sounds like it's getting strange. (laughs) And you let their eyes adjust and then you quickly flash a light in their eyes. And depending on how quickly or slowly their eyes constrict um, is possibly an indicator. But, you know, in this, for cannabis, it should be normal. Pulse rate is up. Blood pressure is up. Body temperature and muscle tone is normal. And so when... You know, and there's all these different clues and indicators are different depending on what drug you're on. And so I actually brought in one of my cases that I brought in two. One was a mix of drugs and one was just cannabis. So let's see. So this gentleman, ironically, his last name is Doobie. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) He was probably like, man, why don't you think I should? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Last name is Doobie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean the, you know, there's zero alcohol. So we did a roadside test, you know, alcohol was, you know, completely zero. Um, you know, we asked about sleeping patterns, you know, he had six hours of sleep the night before I noted that his attitude was polite coordination, a little poor, his speech was slightly slurred and mumbled. Um, you know, he looked tired, a little dazed, you know, eyes were bloodshot and watery, you know, obviously that's a clue. Um, he was able to track normal pupil sizes were normal. Um, the eye test was normal, which what I would expect. So, but his pulse, you know, his heart rate was definitely elevated. You know, people say, well, he, they were nervous, you know, interacting with the police. But at this point in time, they've been brought back to the police station. They've been put in a room, handcuffs are off, given water. And we've already been talking at this point. So the expectation is it would be a little lower, but in this case it wasn't, which is what you would expect for cannabis. Again, no HGN. So in lack of convergence, his left eye went in and his right eye looked straightforward, which is what which is what you might expect. Um, another thing is for cannabis, it's not necessarily a physical manifestation, you know, manifest of these indicators, but it's more mental as well. So one of the tests we do, we estimate, you know, their perception of time. So you have them tilt their head back, close their eyes, and estimate 30 seconds, you know, and this took almost a minute and a half. For him to come to, okay, it's been 30 seconds. Okay. Yeah. That's a a little aggressive. Yeah. You know, blood pressure was up. Um, You know, his pupil sizes were, you know, we test him in three different lighting conditions, normal light, 
you shine a light in their eyes, and then in the dark, you use UV light to measure their pupils. And in all three scenarios, his pupils were dilated. Um, and he had a green coating on his tongue, and you'll see that sometimes. What's the green? Why did, why? It's just from the smoking and the cannabis. Oh, okay. Um, sometimes you'll have a little green film. When you get the, get, when yeah. you get the kind of mouth. Yeah, okay. And so based on that, you know, my opinion was, yes, he was under the influence, and it was cannabis. Um, we went to the hospital, got his blood drawn, and like it usually takes like three weeks. And turns out the only thing in his system was cannabis. And, you know, one of the things we talked about was, you know, the argument, well, you know, cannabis can be in your system for 30 days plus, which is true, but it, it breaks it down. So this test came back for three things, Delta 9 THC, which is regular THC, which can stay in your body, but 11 hydroxy Delta 9 THC. So that's the active metabolite. So if that's in your body, it means the drug is psychoactive. It's working in your body. And it also had 11 nor 9 carboxy delta 9 THC, which is a secondary active metabolite. So this person had smoked quite recently. There was no argument of, well, I smoked a couple days ago. That's why it's in there. No, this was very, very recent um, mm. activity. So, you know, I was right. You know, based on the evaluation, that was the conclusion I came to, which is that's what I saw. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. You know, seeing is. the different it's, things. It's crazy, like, because that's one of the things. How do you know, besides me smelling? Yeah. You know, you got to do like, the test. You got you you to do, do your due diligence. Yeah. But I've never been in that situation yeah. to, you know, get in that. But I've often wondered. You know how are you going? How you going to tell I've been smoking weed? Yeah, I could have. I got some gas in here. Like yeah, I got yeah. Some, I got some fire. That's what yeah. you smell. But um, like at the same time, I've been like, what steps do you have to go through to know? Yeah, so that's so, it, good you ask. So the, you know the training itself, it's mm -hmm. two weeks of training, and then we went out to Phoenix, Arizona, to the Maricopa County County Jail, and you do these evaluations on inmates. Um, oh, wow. yeah. And it's only the, during in processing. So they just came off the street, maybe like 10 minutes prior. Oh, so they're not like, okay, that's yeah. what I was about to no, ask. So I'm so like, y'all letting, letting inmates smoke before y'all? No, yeah. So these are people like, drunk. yeah, fresh off the street. The instructors yeah. would like, I, I wasn't part of this process, but they'd go into holding cell and like, just kind of look around and be like that guy. And so they'd bring him out and be like, Hey man, listen, we're doing this police training if you want to participate you get like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and like a banana yeah. and like, like fuck yes let's I'm do hungry. it <laughs> yeah and so they have them like pissing a cup and it'll test you know what drugs are in their system so they know that when the students practice you know whether they're right or wrong okay so that's that was the training yeah 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 that's crazy i've always been like i said i've been curious about how you know the other side, like without yeah. wanting to be that, uh, wanting to yeah. find out that bad, but I wanted to like, man, what y'all be, how y'all be coming up with these in conclusions? <laughs> yeah, you know right. <laughs> man, I've been schooled a couple times though. When I was young, uh, police officer, you know, I pulled this person over. I could have sworn they were drunk. I could have sworn I took them out, did feel sobriety, like bombed, like did horrible, did the breathalyzer and zeros. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, did I really fuck that up that bad? I, just, I was too new to even really think about drugs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so. And he and, was, they was probably pushing, I am not drunk. Yeah. I'm not drunk. They're not drunk. They weren't. <laughs> I'm high as hell. I ain't drunk. <laughs> yeah, interacting with them, you're like, they are not right. Yeah. 
and I knew there was something wrong, but I was brand new. And yeah, man, I let a couple drugged drivers go for sure. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah, we're gonna wrap it up now. We're gonna wrap it up? Yeah, man. All right. We got time. You've been limit? sitting here. We've been sitting here for like an hour and some change oh, chopping. Man, it up. I was gonna light this hey, up. Go All ahead. Right. Hey, it ain't over. We can smoke. Oh, you know what I'm saying? And that's good that you lighting it back up because that's one of the things like I I like to close the episode with. Okay. I like to find out a little bit about you and you know, your consuming habits and what you how you like to smoke. So my opinion on cannabis when I was a police officer was different than most. You know, the problem when you're in that situation, you can't really pick and choose what laws you're going to enforce. You know, because in my opinion, I was always unethical. You know, so you're kind of in this weird situation, like I used to smoke and now I'm in a position where I have to arrest people for it. You know, but I always held held my head high that regardless of my own personal biases... I still did the job the way I was supposed to do. You know, because a good example, like what if you're from a culture where it's okay to hit your wife? Does that mean you're not going to arrest someone for domestic assault? No, because there was there was a case like that. This couple who was visiting was from a different country, and this guy just smacks his wife up right on the side of the road, and he got arrested for domestic assault and didn't understand what he did wrong, right? Well, yeah, that's understandable. I mean, being from a different country where that's that's allowed, you know what I'm saying? That's uh, and then being here, yeah. What what is what you mean? I'm wrong, yeah. You know, so so it's like my own personal bias of cannabis. Like, it was tough, you yeah. know. And I I totally you know saw the you know hypocrisy in it. Yeah. You know that a couple of years prior to that, I was doing the exact same thing. And it's cool that you you know you still ended up back over here yeah. to to smoke because. We need this. People in general need to smoke, whether they well have a way of consuming cannabis, whether it's edibles, yeah. topicals, uh, whatever, whatever may have you. It should be readily available for you to use it. You know, because you can grow it yourself. Yeah. Like I like to, I like to say this. I've never seen a crack tree. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Or a heroin vine. Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. People take the plant and manipulate it to make you know what i'm saying the drug but with cannabis it's you take a seed put it in the ground love it water it boom there you go i mean on every level it's safer than alcohol Mm -hmm. you know i've never seen someone smoke to the point you know where they just can't even stand up yeah you know maybe like a dab or something but and it's it's to catch their like i've hit a dab where yeah it's way safer i've like when I've drank, like I've drank and drive before, like yeah. just going around the yeah. corner. But like I know my limit. Like I know I'm driving from less than a mile. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, but I remember one time I I was you know on the phone. I grabbed you know what I'm saying a joint, lit it, mm-hmm. and man, I was white. I was I was on my road, but I was like, damn, it was just habitual to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got really. I was like, man, I can't do that shit no more. Like, I'll yeah. never do it again. But, you know, it's, I've all, like, like I said, like, how y'all be knowing? Well, you know, statistically, when you're smoking that blunt for the first time, the peak concentrations of THC in your blood will peak out before you even stop smoking. Mm. So it's not like you smoke for an hour and at that after hour, you're like ultra high. No, you've yeah. already hit your peak before that. But, Again, it's just like alcohol. Someone who smokes every day, 
could very well be fine driving yeah. and not have too much of an issue. Whereas the person who's never smoked before done an edible, you know, they could be wrecked. Can slosh them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In, um, what, what, what is your choice? Is it, do you just, do you eat as well? Once in a while. Do you, do you <laughs> like it? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. pretty. So, I've, I've had edibles where I've ate them and I didn't know it's like, you know, whatever. But then, like, once I've had edibles recently yeah. when I've been like, oh, this is where you want to so, be. You know? So my first time, edibles is in college. I didn't know anything about it. So I bought, I think it was like an ounce of that shitty weed yeah. for like 40 bucks. Yep. And I simmered it in butter and I made brownies. And there was no dosing. Um, nah. But they're big ass brownies. And I had never done an edible before. So I had like class in like two hours. So I'm like, yeah, I'll have a brownie, have fun, go to class. Hour goes by, I didn't feel anything. So I had another one. Oh my God. I went to class. I'm like halfway through class and it just like hit me like a truck to the point I had to go home. I couldn't do it. I Yo, was that's crazy. too far gone because I, I didn't know like it can take a couple hours. So I double dosed, which is stupid. And yeah, I had to go home. Yeah, it was too you, much. You had to way, down. Yeah. way too much. I've had that experience with edibles where uh, I've taken just a little, like a, um, a corner like I swear yeah. to God, it was like the size of a quarter, and I ate it, and it it took me all types of which way, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But once again, the person that was making was like, "Hey, I know how to make really strong edibles. I don't know how much they are, but they're good." Yeah, you know, did the trick. Yeah, but at the same time, like if I would have gave that to an older person, they would have seen that little brownie and was like, "Oh." And then it they would have it would have sent them on a, yeah. on a on a journey that they was yeah. like I'm never doing that again. So it's good. I mean, I understand. I, that's why I'm kind of glad. Like the regulations, like all right, five milligrams yeah. start with this with as far as edibles. But with me, I kind of know like fifty, fifty. I'm right. I'm good. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. No, and I the last thing I want to do or not do, but see is people get injured you know, because of this product. Certainly yeah. not because of my product. Yeah, exactly. You know, just use it responsibly. Responsibly. That's all, yeah. you know. But my concern is, you know, the people who've never really done this stuff before. Mm. That's where the concern comes in. Yeah. You know, the seasoned smokers, you know, they can go to work and have a dab before they leave, and they're probably going to be just fine. I, I know, you know people that say they exclusively only smoke dabs. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I've hit a... I've hit a dab that really didn't hit me, but then I've hit a dab that has been like, okay, man, next time just give me half of that. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it, but then again, at the same point, it is a little concerning because regardless of how much you smoke or drink, you know, you're not operating at a hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, so like, let's say you're driving home, you know, you're bebopping, cranking your music. Take that same scenario, but you're driving in a place you've never been before. What's the first thing you do? You turn the music down because yeah. your brain just can't concentrate on those many I things happening. I need to happening. figure out where I'm going, how to get there. Exactly. Yeah. So like, yeah, a lot of these crashes, these fatals, they happen not because the person driving 150 miles an hour. It's because that time delay was just enough where in maybe a circumstance where a car pulls out, you were quick enough to swerve around it. And you're like, damn, that was close. In these situations, that's all it takes is just that two, three percent, five percent off your typical reaction time. And that's why it happens, you know, and I just that's my concern with it, yeah. you know, and I no, wish understandable. and I wish there was better standards so people would know and it wasn't so subjective. 
Um, but again, you know, they're doing these roadside tests. With- well, I also think, check this out. I think the standard is set with drinking and driving. Like we know drinking and driving is the worst. Like, yeah. You know, we know everybody's drink and they know how you get when you're drunk. So that's kind of like the standard of in, intoxicated yeah, driving. That, exactly. So, but, but I don't get the same effect when I drink. I mean, I'm when I smoke. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, it's not going to be as bad. But on the flip side, it is that it does mellow you out, make you chill. It has a focus and property. But if you do take too much, it can have that totally. delayed. And it, I understand yeah. the fatal side of that 5%, 5 yeah. to 10% delayed reaction that could have, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And, but with alcohol, you know, Regardless if you're safe to drive or unsafe to drive, the limit's an 08. So you could be an 08 and perfectly fine. You're still, there's no such limit with cannabis. So it's hard to judge where you're at. Then that's the problem. Then that's why I just want everybody to be safe, enjoy these products responsibly. You know, I enjoy them responsibly most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> most of the yeah, time. Exactly. But I, I knowingly, when the times that I don't, that's a conscious choice this that I knowingly do. Yeah. And if something were to happen, you know, God forbid it does, you know, I really have my only myself to blame for that. I've been wanting to sit down and talk to somebody, like I said, like you, like that was a cop yeah. either on the force, was on the force. And even if they didn't smoke, I just want to talk to them to find out like the difference. Yeah. And now, like I got everything. Like yeah. I got the smoker who was one. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It was weird, though. I, I never smoked when I was a cop. Occasionally, though, I would have dreams about smoking Mm. which was odd do you dream as a smoker do you dream now yeah as a smoker really i never stopped dreaming as a nonsense that's crazy somebody told me well it's probably affects everybody differently yeah they told me if i stop smoking i'll start dreaming again oh i'm sorry i meant yes when i wasn't smoking in my dreams i was i still dreamt as if i was a smoker when you was yeah but i'm saying like i'm not just switched up but oh, i was asking I see, I see. now like as a smoker like last night or, or just when you sleep oh, now i, oh, I totally dream? dream yeah oh, okay it might be like somebody told me like because you smoke it, it causes you not to dream and if you stop smoking you'll i don't dream. get i don't get nightmares mm. anymore mm-hmm. i had you know when i was on duty and working as a cop i'd have these episodes where i'd like wake up in the middle of the night like in a frantic not knowing where i was i'd like shoot out of bed yeah like in a total panic um I can't even remember. I might get one or two a year now. Yeah. Where it was like several times a week. And cannabis helped with that, right? I think cannabis and just not doing the job anymore. Absolutely. That definitely oh, yeah, helped. The job, not the yeah. job either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I saw some pretty traumatic stuff. You know, um, I used to be a firefighter in college and I saw a bunch of crazy stuff there too. I always thought it would be like a lifelong career thing. But, you know, the situations came up where it's time for me to leave. Yeah. And sometimes not getting what you want is the best thing. And it was definitely the best thing for me was completely change direction. I feel like firefighters is the civilian military. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Like my boy, my boy Thomas, he's like, I used to, me and him used to hoop and I never really asked him, but like, I've seen like one, you see movies and two, you know what you, if you've ever seen a burning building, like, the heat that radiates crazy. off that building yeah. is 
it's it's insane. It's next you level. know what I'm saying? Like we went to we I went to a hibachi restaurant recently. Yeah. And I felt like when they started the fire, you feel it. You know what I'm saying? And that's like on a magnitude of a building. You know it's what I'm crazy. saying? Like Oh, totally and crazy. Then you got people gotta go in there. So like yeah. firefighters like that's why, like, my boy Thomas, like, I look at him like, man, you got some, you, you know, a lot of it is just waiting around. But when it's, it's go time, waiting around. when it's go time, like, it don't matter what you're doing. Yeah. Like, it's go time. Like, you got to get in this, get in this building that's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like, everybody runs from it. You have to run to it. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that's a, whew. Yeah, man. Well, look, man. Look, thank you for coming, man. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. I'm glad you are on this side. I'm kind of glad that, you know what I'm saying, you gave me the inside scoop of how these motherfuckers be We'll talk about some more stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, what I'm I'm doing, like, you're just starting. Like, you're brand new. So I got to circle everybody twice. Yeah, come back around. You know what I'm saying? I got to catch everybody once, and then by the time I get everybody— Everybody else yeah. will be in a new spot, in a new position in, in the cannabis industry. We're going to have you back on to talk about all the things that you've got going on in the future. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? This is just a highlight. We'll do but, like a crime tip of the day. Hell yeah. Be, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, man, can you tell them where to find you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On, on, uh, so Evidence Room is uh, available through Cambridge Cannabis. We sell in... Uh, Green State Dispensary, Winooski, Middlebury, Windsor. We're partnered with Ojo Rojo and Northern Craft. Okay. Cannabis. You got and, a website? Uh, yep, evidenceroomvt.com. Uh, we do a lot of work also with Magic Man and Essex. Yeah. Love those guys. Yeah. Um, Instagram, evidenceroomvt. Yeah. All right. Evidence Room on Instagram. Yep. And you know where you can find me, Cannabisations Podcast on Instagram. Thank y'all for listening. Y'all stay blazing and stay amazing. We out.